previously on the third line plug Senscast. Yeah. Now before we close out for the other evening, let's get a quick update here on the Sens at least. Currently, the Sens are losing five to four to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the final minutes of the third period. Oh, I think Dad not just scores. Oh, sweet baby Jesus, five five baby. Oh my God! Can you imagine that we come back to win six five? Win six five. In hole, Hawkbrick down, and Marner couldn't slide it back. Now drops it back. Oh, what a chance there, Riley turned away. Morgan Riley lost the puck. Now to Shabbat. In comes Dadnov on the breakaway. Dadnov in scores. And Kenny Dadnov, the overtime winner. And the Ottawa Senators come back from five one down to win it six to five. Fifty-four days and one pandemic later, Third Line Flock has returned to Scotiabank Arena in downtown Toronto. Welcome to the debut edition of Third Line Flock Smackdown. Hello everybody, I'm Taylor Gibson. Joining me as always is Tim Jetsy. Tim, it seems like a lifetime ago we set foot in this building and I'm excited to get things started tonight. 100%. Big thanks to the majority staff here tonight as well as the podcast network. Exciting night of sports podcasting ahead. So let's send it down to center ice to get this option. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the SmackDown edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jesse. Tim, how's it going, sir? Honestly, pretty darn good. And as is 100% expected of a Sense podcast this week, we're going to be talking about the Leafs. Oh, I know. I know. It's one of the unfortunate things that we got to do being a Sense podcast is that we eventually got to talk about the other Ontario team. Yeah, and we have three Leaf games to talk about this week. I know, but you know what, though? At least we're going to have a win to talk about. We're going to have some great stuff to talk about as well. Now, before we do anything, Tim, i got to ask the all-important question. Have you been dealing with any burner accounts, any unfavorable people on Twitter this past week? I feel like this is leading up to a joke. Absolutely no, there is no joke. For those who may be out of the loop, there is a gentleman on Twitter who will remain anonymous right now. He has been accused of creating burner accounts again. And is if, it the owner of the Ottawa Senators? It is not Eugene Melnick. No, it is a it's a fellow. He used to work for our friends over at New Era Sens, and he was at one time going to be coming on the podcast to do our Ottawa Senators season preview a few months ago. However, 
there was some ugliness over at New Era Sends. He got dropped by the site. And he's been one of these people who he's been accused of making burner accounts in the past and harassing people on Twitter. And I just want to say this, is that it's it's sad. It's sad in 2021 that people are still that immature that creating burner accounts and harassing people is still what they want to do with their time. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about that this past weekend because, you know... This all stemmed from, I don't know if you know who Sense Talk is. He's a YouTuber. He does a lot of Sense stuff. So he was accused, or wasn't accused, he was harassed by some burner accounts by this gentleman. And he ended up blocking it. And Sense Twitter ended up eating this guy alive once again. Oh dear. Because in the past he made some unfavorable comments to Haley Sullivan when she was covering the Sense for The Athletic. He has been accused of harassing people. It's terrible. And, then, and the thing about it, I was thinking about this this week, is that... You know, because we don't have a huge following, so we didn't really have to deal with that. But still, it's a shame. It's a shame that there's still people out there that want to do that. And I just want to let our four listeners know, hi, Adam, that <laughs> we will never, ever do that to you. Like, neither of us have burner accounts. We have our own Twitter accounts, at Great, at Great White Gipster, at M91 Honey Badger, and, of course, at Third Line Plug. So, you'll never have to worry about us. Uh, what if one of us just has, like, a secret burner account where we just send people compliments? Well, I think that's what our third line plug account is for, isn't it? Oh shit! You're shit. We're found out. Oh, cat's out of the bag now, I guess. <laughs> so, Tim, let's talk about today's cover athlete because today's episode is season four, episode six, in chronological order, episode eighty-three, the Alish Hemsky edition. So, just a little background about Alish Hemsky. He was drafted thirteenth overall in two thousand one by the Edmonton Oilers. He played 15 seasons in the National Hockey League with four teams, recording 174 goals, 398 assists for 572 points in 845 games. He also played 20 games for the Ottawa Senators in the 13-14 season, recording four goals, 13 assists for 17 points in 20 games. Now, outside of his time in Ottawa, he also spent time mostly with the Edmonton Oilers, as well as stints with the Dallas Stars and the Montreal Canadiens. So, when talking about Alex Hemsky, Tim, and Hemsky is an interesting guy because I think of him as, mostly as an Edmonton Oiler. And I think when you talk about him as an Oiler, he was often a guy, he was quite injury prone there. And I think the big moment with the Oilers that everybody remembers of him has to do with Patrick Steffen missing the net. Because if you recall, Tim, when Patrick Steffen missed, Hemsky ended up scoring the game-tying goal on that. That's got to be one of the most legendary moments of the entire Dallas Stars franchise, despite it being, in the grand scheme of things, almost meaningless. And it's funny, because they ended up winning that game, too. They won 6-5. to five. Yeah. I think it did give Edmonton enough points to get into the playoffs. They, just, really they didn't. Funny. No, oh, they missed the playoffs. Like mistaking the year? Yes, it was the 06-07 season, because they had made right. the playoffs... The previous year, that was when it went to the Stanley Cup Finals. They didn't make the playoffs again until 2017. Wow, that was a long-ass drought. Yeah, and I think the Buffalo Sabres are going to be the team that ends up breaking that, unfortunately. But outside of that, I mean, we should talk a little bit about Hemsky's time in Ottawa. Because, you know, I think we were talking about this, I believe, on last week's episode when I mentioned Hemsky was going to be a cover athlete candidate was that you said that Brian Murray went out of his way to get him, and they ended up not keeping him. 
Well, it's interesting because uh, that was a, a weird year for the Senators because I think that was kind of the first year of the will-they-won't-they they Senators where we were on the won't-they side. And with Spezza basically out the door at the end of that season too, it seemed a little off. I'm surprised they didn't keep Hemschke around. It's true. And, you know, when I went back and looked at his point totals, like he put up, like I said, he put up 20 point, no, 17 points in 20 games. That's really good. And the funny thing is, is I completely forgot about that because when I think of Alex Hemsky's time as a senator, the main moment that comes by, I apologize, but I can't recall what team it was. Like one of the first games he played, he had that sweet move where he made a deke and snuck it under the guy's pads. Yeah, because not going to lie, I legit thought that if they had Hemsky for a few more games that season, the Sens probably would have made it. Because that wasn't a ter- that 13-14 season wasn't terrible. No, I think we had a winning record or something. I think we just barely missed the playoffs or something that yeah. year. Yeah, because it was uh, 37-31-14. and 14. But they were fifth in the Atlantic. Yeah. No, that would have been the Northeast Division at that time. No, it was the first year of the Atlantic. Really? Yep. Hmm. Yeah, the Sens were... Uh, let's see here. I think they were actually... They were five points shy of the playoffs. Oof. Who did they end up losing to? The Jackets and the Red Wings took the last two spots. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes that makes kind of sense. So I guess we should talk about next week's cover athlete poll because next week's episode is going to be Season 4, Episode 7, in chronological order, Episode 84. Now, because we didn't, we've never had a player that wore 84, Tim, we had to make the decision, how are we going to do this cover athlete poll? So we had a really fun idea. We've decided this week, or that week's cover athlete poll, is going to be on the best Senators team of all time. Now, we got four teams on the board. We've got the 0203 Senators, the 0506 Senators, the 0607 Sens, and, just for the heck of it, the 1926-27 Ottawa Senators. I'll take my credit for credits due. I know. I put the last team on there. You did. The, put... of the other poll was all you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the funny thing is, Tim, is that, and I tried to look back, I'm like, well, is the 26-27 Sens team really the best one of the original Sens teams? Because, you know, they won all those Stanley Cups. They have, you know, the Frank Finnegans and these guys on that team. So I couldn't really find any evidence that backed up whether the 26-27 Sens team is the best, but it is the last Sens team to win the Stanley Cup. So... That's why it made the list. It's really hard to evaluate quantitatively and really qualitatively those old teams just because NHL and HA was quite different. Well, hockey in general was just such a different game back then too, right? I mean, you know, even if you go back 35 years to the late 80s where, like I've said in the past, right, you had an 890 save percentage, you won a Vesna. Mm -hmm. Do we know anybody who's 100? Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. So, now it's the time of the episode, Tim, where I have to ask the all-important question. How has your week been going? You know what? Pretty good. Uh, mostly just fiddly stuff at work and just doing some cooking around the house, but other than that, not too much. I am. What have you been cooking this week? We actually tried out a new uh, slow cooker recipe uh, last week where basically we uh, took some brisket, 
ground it up, uh, threw it in the slow cooker with potatoes, turnips, although we couldn't actually find this turnip at the grocery store, so we bought some parsnips and uh, carrots and other root vegetables, uh, and then uh, slow cooked that and made a stew, and that lasted us six, I want to say six days. Nice. No, it's yeah, nice. so it's the first time we slow cooked brisket, and I think it turned out really well. Oh, that's pretty good. And then I made a stew today. Man, that, that sounds really good. Now, when it comes to stews, like, do you have, like, dinner rolls or do you have, like, homemade biscuits with it? Like, or do you just eat it straight? Uh, so we usually buy some sourdough. Okay. Sourdough is not too bad. Yeah. Although, um, when we make pulled pork, uh, we'll often uh, make our own, we'll make our own pretzel buns to go with it. I like it. Yeah, you know what? Sloppy, not Sloppy Joe's, I was going to say Sloppy Joe's. I don't know why I was thinking about that. But pulled pork sandwiches are really, really good. But the thing is, is that I often find with the pretzel buns is that I I don't know. Maybe it's the ones that we've bought in the past. I found them very doughy. That makes any sense. Maybe it was just not cooked right or whatever. But I think when it comes to like pulled pork sandwiches, I would prefer it in like a really soft baguette. You cut a bag up, you put it in that, you eat it like that. Oh, God, we'd be so good. Well, the thing with pretzel buns that we've been noticing is, um, like, uh, we bought the wrong yeast this time around. So we had uh, regular yeast instead of fat-stacking yeast, and, yeah, it came out really doughy. I think it's just making sure you get your yeast right is the key to getting a good sourdough bun. Sorry, not sourdough, a good uh, pretzel bun. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. So I'll talk a little bit about my week, because... It was just one of these weeks, like, it was super busy at work, and we are now one more person short at work. Oh, jeez. So what happened was that we had one of our dishwashers on Saturday morning, he ended up not coming out, I think he was sick or whatever, and so he called in, he says, hey, listen, I'm not going to be able to make it, so my boss calls one of this, this young guy that we had, he was probably 18, 19 years old, give or take. Oh, he's a casual on call right so he calls our boss calls him up he says hey listen like can you come in and work today like we're short of dishwasher he's like, yeah yeah okay i'll call you back in an hour calls back in an hour and basically it's like yeah i'm not coming in and i quit wow that you really had me going at the first half there i know so i came to work and i know the tone as soon as i come into the kitchen it's just hey t-dog and i'm thinking oh god who's not in now so basically, I just looked at my boss, and I'm like, all right, who's not here today? And he's like, it was Alex. Yeah, he quit. I was like, oh, joy. That's like the worst time to quit, too. It is. Just like, no warning. He just is like, yeah, I'm not coming in, and I quit. Bye. Click. Yeah, especially if, like, I remember uh, when I used to work the kitchen down on Dockyard at one of the kitchens so there's three main kitchens down at dockyard uh, you have you have the officer's mess uh the officer training center and the general training center at Naden. Mm-hmm. and so i was working in the officer's training center that summer and Naden was so understaffed that they had to pull people from our from both the mess and the training center so i got pulled over to Naden, and then uh there was a guy who uh He'd been there for years, decided, just screw it, I'm not working today for whatever reason. And he just didn't come, and not only were they understaffed, half the people had never who were working that day to kind of fill in the gaps had never worked at Naden before. Really? Yeah, so it was just like, 
there's a special level of hell for that sort of person. Oh yes. Yeah, I could totally believe that, man. Like it's it's ridiculous. And I and I understand that yeah, kitchen work isn't exactly super glamorous. It's not like when it's on TV when you see these cooking shows or whatever. It's not like yeah, you have a super nice kitchen, wide open, you know, the really nice utensils everything you're using it's nothing like that and it's hard work man like especially being a dishwasher it's so physically demanding and i think i'm not i don't think enough people really realize that like just how physically demanding doing that job is well it's like it scales so much with the number of plates you're doing right exactly like i remember with nate and we had like basically the dish room was this it was this machine that uh, it was like you put things on the conveyor belt. So most of your dishwashing job is you are picking stuff up and putting it down. So it's like these tubs full of dishware, they get heavy, right? Because they, they're they probably about 50 pounds a tub when you get about, uh, you get the utensils from about, yeah, 20 or 30 uh, cadets, sorry, not cadets, uh, uh, semen in training. And you, they eat a lot. They use a lot of utensils and uh, you got to clean basically clean that off all loaded into one thing and then carry it and you got to be doing that very quickly because you're processing about two thousand people in two hours yeah it's not like what we used to do back in the day when we had a full full school which is we would do 500 plus in an hour but it's weird this past week because all the kids that came back from their midterms so they weren't allowed to leave campus at all right and so all the kids came in and so we went from doing maybe mid 300s to close to 500 and we and we had a new girl that's in the dish pit and i can tell she's kind of nervous kind of timid never seen this kind of volume of dishes right so you know and i tried to be helpful and tried to keep calm and whatever and not rush her or anything so you know other other than that you know my week's been okay i mean i know i had to go up to nanaimo yesterday and I had to drop off something at my cousin's place, so I got to BS with him. Of course, we were we were distance and whatever. Mm-hmm. And my cousin actually let me try his new beer that he's trying out. So my cousin, oh, he, yes, it's a homemade brew. So he basically does. He's been making beers for a, for a few years now, so he's been getting pretty good at it. Like he made he made a coffee stout. He did a bitter. He did a. It was a what the heck was it? it was this German wheat beer? turned out pretty good so i was kind of happy about that and what else did i do this week oh other than that yeah i mean work went to see my cousin social distance wise the only thing i could really comment is and you know me i'm a big music guy i've always been the music guy so i had this really weird dream the other night is that uh, i ended up breaking up a fight between joey and johnny ramone aren't they both dead they're both dead but for whatever reason they were in a bar setting and I had to break them up. They're throwing shot glasses at each other and pint glasses. And if you know anything about the Ramones, you know that Joey and Johnny just hated each other. And of course that's, if you know, like I said, if you know the story, like the KKK took my baby away, that's about uh, Johnny Ramone. I believe Joey wrote that out, Johnny. Just the the mere hatred of those guys in the band. And that's something that I never could wrap my head around is that how can you hate a guy that much and stay in a group for that long and the Ramones were the Ramones were not like the Eagles or Fleetwood Mac or some of these like super super big time bands of the 70s like they were a club band like they toured clubs for for 25 years until they just retired well it's 
funny because uh, I guess it's like you don't have to like people to work with them because like Penn and Teller are famous for yeah they don't hang out they just they come they yeah. do their work and then they go home uh, they don't hang out at and then Fleetwood Mac is funny because it was the complete opposite they were all banging each other until they weren't true and then by the sheer magic of drugs and willpower they managed to get through rumors yeah but even yeah but then they got to tusk and tusk is pretty serious stuff man well even rumors once you kind of pull off the veneer mm-hmm. it's serious shit too oh it's super serious it's super serious but yeah, for whatever reason, I was just thinking about that the other night, and and I hadn't thought about the Ramones in ages, and I was because the Ramones are one of my top, I wouldn't say top five favorite bands, but they're definitely up there with some of my favorite bands of all time. And so I woke up and I had the Ramones stuck in my head for whatever reason. So absolutely, the second I woke up, I put a lot of Ramones in Spotify, and I was listening to that for two days. Nice. It was great. I mean, the only other piece of music I think I can really talk about today, actually, I found out was Daft Punk. Now, I don't know if you if you under, you know who Daft yeah, Punk is. Yeah, they broke up, right? They just broke up today, and I was just like, oh, well, that's not good. After about twenty odd years of working together, I'm not surprised. Yeah, thirty years, man. Like they started in '93. Yeah, so it's like at some point, if there's artistic differences, they will become too large. Very much so, man. Very much so. So now that we're talking about our week, let's talk about last week's episode because one of the things that I was thinking about this past week, and I always try to think of, okay, what really stuck out in the episode? What didn't stick out in the episode? And for me, outside of the how we ended the episode, which is when we gave the update on the Leaves game, I was kind of drawn a blank on what to really say about last week's episode. It was an episode... And we got through it. It got completely overshadowed by what was happening on the ice. Yeah. Let's be 100% fully open. Like, even by the end of the episode, I wasn't really paying as much attention to the episode. I was like, are they actually going to do it? I know. My mind had wandered. It's true. And, you know, that's the thing about this podcast, Tim, is that you can only hold our attention for so long doing it because once you get to a certain point, well, it's true, right? Once you get to a certain point, it's almost like, you know, you'll be talking and next thing you know, your phone will go off or you're following something on your phone talking and you're just like, Oh, well, that's kind of neat. That's kind of cool, whatever. (laughs) And of course with our SmackDown episode today, of course I used part of the uh, outro for last week in the intro. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's, like that's fun editing but yeah like last week even though we did have a win to talk about it it was a good win mm-hmm. yeah it was just leaf's land the collapse of leaf's land was just funnier oh my god it was so good it was so good you know what's really funny Tim, and i i don't follow leaf's twitter from what i understand from people leaf's twitter seems like such a serious place like there's not really a lot of guys on there that are super funny from what yeah. I from what I understand, it's not like us where we have you know the Brian five or sixes and we have you know James Wood and we have these kind of guys on Twitter and and Gatineau Greg who's making all kinds of great content for since Twitter Leafs Twitter seems to just take themselves way too seriously from what I understand. Yeah, you can kind of see it when you just look at the tag after, or even just like you could kind of tell from the way the Left Coast League guys talked about it that it wasn't exactly the most fun place to be around. Because mm-hmm. honestly, like. 
right now one of the things that people are trying to force in sense twitter is sense sickos which is taking a random snippet of a joke political cartoon from the onion slapping a senator's logo on it and saying like yes this is us so what this stupid cartoon looks like and honestly if it sounds like i'm pushing sense sickos here i am that's that's my declaration and my disclosure all cards on the table so it's a stupid political cartoon that you would, it's making fun of the ones you find in the newspaper with like the main part of the cartoon is like some guy peeing on a vcr screaming hey look ma i'm streaming and yeah. then in the background looking through a window is this guy with like a bunch of missing teeth like <sighs> hair cut all over the place with the finger up going ha 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 yes and his shirt says sickos on it yeah and someone i think it was maddie was it maddie go sends or luke Priestley? i think it was one of those guys just put the fan number one finger on his head so now it's just and they started doing that the day of the first toronto game which makes it even fucking funnier i know it was so good like yeah send sickos is one of these tags that i started noticing on twitter and i was just like what what what's send sickos all about and there was nobody really on twitter that was clarifying what exactly this was and it seems like it's not like with pesky sends or some of these other tags we've had on sense Twitter in the past where it's very self-explanatory right you it's about the team you watch the team they always have this way of like yeah we're down by three goals but we come back to win it you know you look back at the 2015 hamburglar run as an example or 2013 yeah, yeah. or even recently with the send sickos i guess if you want to include them but well, since sickos is funny because it's basically saying that we're a bunch of degenerates mm -hmm. where watching our shitty team beat good teams is inherently pleasing within itself. Tim, you just wait till we get to the games tonight, man. This is going to be fun. Are we just going to open one of the games with, ha ha, yes. That'll, that'll probably be you. Yeah, probably. So before we debut a fun new game here, Tim, I actually want to give another quick shout out here to the fellas over at Souk Oceanside Brewery. Now, of course, on our last Leafs episode, I was drinking an IPA for them, and I am currently drinking their Stiff Jab Pale Ale. It's actually kind of nice, I'm not going to lie. I do love on the back, though, it says, I have seen a boxer with a broken power hand fight an honest fight with nothing but a stiff jab, and his head was raised in victory after three rounds. That man is a true fighter. And this beer is in his honor. Like a jab, there's nothing flashy about a pale ale. But when done right, it'll teach you how things should be done. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, so shout out to them on Twitter. I know that I already sent out a tweet before we hit record this evening. So if you're from Vancouver Island or you have any chance of getting a hand on one of their beers, check, check them out, man. Good stuff, good stuff. So I think we've teased it enough and I think we should debut something here this evening, Tim. It's a fun little game called Sense Karaoke. So for those who don't know, Sense Karaoke is a fun game that I was I was talking about this a few weeks ago about drunk It's called Drunk Karaoke. Where basically, you know, when you go to like a karaoke bar or whatever, you always see somebody up on the stage singing a song. They have a, you know, you always have a description on them, right? You know, say you have, uh, as an example, I would use, say bon jovi you would say maybe a middle-aged woman you know skinny jeans recently divorced kind of like that right 
Yeah, yeah. So I had this idea, and it actually stemmed from our from the guys over at Podcast because they did one called Celebrity Karaoke. So in no way am I ripping them off, but I thought it'd be kind of fun to do one for the Ottawa Senators. Ripping them off a little. Yeah, okay, I'm ripping them off a little bit. That's not the point. Shut up. <laughs> so, how this game is going to be played. So, I have three names here. I am going to say the name, and Tim and I have to choose a song, and why we think they would have chose the song. And we're going to start off with a really easy one here, Tim. We're going to start off with Thomas Shabbat. Wait, that's easy for you? Yes. Okay, let's see you go first then, Hotshot. Okay. So Thomas Shabbat, he's definitely one of these guys that... I know my answer probably will not support it, given if you saw his Beast Mode Spotify soundtrack. I'm going to say Thomas Shabbat probably goes very safe. So I'm going to say Thomas Shabbat will either go with Don't Stop Believing by Journey... Or, he will go with You Gave Love a Bad Name by Bon Jovi. Hmm. I'm going to say the Hot Sam Bacho song. Because if you have a song about yourself, you're singing it. Very true. But the thing is, is that a lot of karaoke bars wouldn't have this, though. Unless you're in Ottawa. Never said they weren't. True, but you know what? Or you just do what... Have you ever been with a bunch of guys doing karaoke and it gets to the point where there's a song playing and nobody's singing the song. Yeah. They're just yelling into the microphone and it's not even related to the song anymore. Oh yes. Yeah. I've, I've been to those kind of nights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're thinking Thomas Shabbat would sing the hot Zambacho song. Yeah. Okay. I, I could see that. I don't know if Thomas Shabbat's a real, a real drinker, but say he's a several beers deep. He's feeling good. He's feeling hyped. He just goes on and sings that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's like, we know he's been exposed to the Hot Sambacho song. Of course. It's been piped into the arena. Yeah, and of course, he's he wore the Brian Fiber 6 shirt in the past. So, of course, he knows all about it. Hmm. So, the second name I got on the board, and I'm going to let you go first on this one, Tim. Brady to Chuck. He seems like the kind of guy who'd want to be the sort of person to throw in a song just to screw around okay so he's barbie girl barbie girl eh by aqua yeah i think kids know what that is still right i think so because i know david Pe- that wow yeah i don't know if brady would sing that per se it would be funny it'd be hilarious if he did it but yeah barbie girl i could kind of see that because Brady seems like the kind of kid that he doesn't take himself very seriously. So I could kind of see that. I think for me, because I don't know Brady to shark personally, but I think he's the kind of person that would have his boys go with them to the karaoke bar. So I'm going to go we Dem boys by Wiz Khalifa. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. And just to add the extra visual, did you ever see that picture of him on his 21st birthday where he came out of the bar in shorts, shoes, and no shirt on? No. That would be him. That would be him at that point in the night. He would be so out of it that he would be up there with without a shirt on singing Weed and Boys. Nice. 
So to close out Sense Karaoke for this episode, Tim, we got a third name on the board. And I know then I suggested this a few weeks ago after we recorded the episode and we were talking about doing this. This person came to mind, and I absolutely agree with the suggestion you had. Uh-huh. DJ Smith. He's got a type. You know, the older guy. He's there. He may not have his buds there, but he's just, he's there because he likes singing the old tunes. Yep. That's DJ Smith. So uh, we got Heart of Gold by Neil Diamond. Mm. I actually like that suggestion, man. That's really, really good. I could kind of see that. What else would he, what else would DJ Smith sing for an old timey song? Do, 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 do. You know, it'd be really good. We should have got Chelsea to do this with us, man. She would be really good at choosing these songs. She what? doesn't watch the games. I know she doesn't watch the games, but even if we played Sen's karaoke with her, I think she would be really good at this. Okay, I'm going to say... I'll just ask where Bobby Ryan is. That's true. That is true. So for DJ Smith, I'm actually going to go with the suggestion that you came up with. I can actually see him singing early Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yeah. I forgot I said that. Yep. But here's the... I say a lot of things. Yeah, well, don't... You know, you and I both do. (laughs) So when it comes to Bruce Springsteen, I think the real question here is... What Springsteen song is he going with? Is he going to go with Red Cadillac? Is he going to go with Dancing in the Dark? Or is he going to go something a little bit more newer than that? I think he goes with something off Thunder Road. Or does it go Born in the USA? That's not really like old, old Springsteen, though. That's like mid-80s. Mid-80s Springsteen. No, he's going for the stuff that earned him the title The Boss. Yes. Yeah, I can 100% see that. Man, that was a really fun round of Sense Karaoke. And you know what? For our listeners out there, if you have any suggestions for players that you want to see named for Sense Karaoke, hit us up on Twitter, at Third Line Plug. Sounds good, sounds good. So Tim, now that we got that out of the way, let's segue into this little segment I like to call top of the hour it is a very short top of the hour but you know what we do have some stuff to talk about so we got to talk about two men in our hockey watching lifetime has dominated the sport probably since no other since maybe Gretzky and Lemieux and we're gonna start off with Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby passed Al McInnes for most regular season points by a Nova Scotian-born player in Angel history with his 1,275th point. Crosby, drafted first overall in 2005 by the Pittsburgh Penguins, has recorded 467 goals, 808 assists for 1,275 points in 997 games at the time of the story. Now, also, I want to add a little something to this, Tim. Sidney Crosby has also played his 1,000th NHL game against the New York Islanders this week as well. You know what's kind of surprising is that Crosby just played 1,000 games despite being in the league as long as he has, and then you just remember those concussion plague seasons at the turn of the decade around 2011-2012. And then it's just like, oh, right. And it's kind of crazy to think that We've been talking a lot about Ovechkin passing these major player milestones 
and Crosby's finally catching up just because he's had the time. He's finally gotten time on his side. He has finally got the time on his side, and you're absolutely right. I mean, for and I was thinking about that too when I heard that Crosby is now hitting a thousand games because again he had the concussion issues early in the in the 2010s. But I think for myself, I think that as a Senators fan, when talking about Sidney Crosby, Sens fans talk about Crosby in one particular way. Now, if you remember in the movie Anchorman, near the end of the movie where Ron Burgundy's climbing up the ladder and Mantooth has him by the ladder and he goes, you know what, he hates him, but goddamn does he respect him. That's very much how Sens fans feel about Crosby because Crosby just just dominated us in the playoffs every time except 2007. Yeah, pretty much. Although we are so damn close in 2017. Yep, we were so close and it still hurts. It yeah. still hurts everyone. But yeah, it's uh, Sidney Crosby has had an incredible career. And uh, hopefully he can maybe add a couple hundred more points, just really bolster it by the end. I think so, because he still has a couple of more years left in him. And you know what? I think with Crosby's health now finally on his side, because he hasn't seriously been injured in quite a few years. I could legit see him hitting 1,500 points like nothing. Maybe he gets to a point, kind of like with Jill Thornton, right, where he hits 1,600, 1,700 points by the end of his career. Well, I wouldn't be. what's kind of weird is I wouldn't be surprised if Sidney Crosby has more good years left in him than Evgeny Malkin does. Because Malkin's been having a rough time of it both this year and last year, and the underlying numbers aren't good, which is... And the fact is, like, Malkin's pushing third, like past 30 now, too, if I remember correctly. So it's like Malkin's aging normally. This just shows you how gracefully both Ovechkin and Crosby have aged. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Malkin's older than Crosby, isn't he? Because I think... Uh, I, I think they were close. I thought Crosby's 87 birthday, and I think Malkin's, like, 85. Oh, okay. Something like that. Okay, I didn't... Why did I think that Malkin and Crosby were about the same age? Because uh, they came in the league around the same time. I think Crosby came yeah. in a year before Malkin did. Right, right, right. So we got a bit of an Ovi wash to talk about, Tim, because Washington Capitals captain Alexander Ovechkin has passed Alex Tangay for 101st and tied Dave Babbitt for 100th on the all-time assist list with 581. Ovechkin is now 6th assists behind Paul Correa for 99th at 587 at the time of this story. You know what's crazy here, Tim? Yeah. When we talk about Alexander Ovechkin for OV Watch and top of the R, it's always about the goals. I did not realize he has this many assists because of just how dominant of a goal scorer he is in the NHL. Well, it's funny because most guys, when you're looking at some of like the greatest players, you'll often have like a two to one assist to goal ratio. Yep. Well, Ovechkin's just like he. He has the pure goal scoring stuff, but the assists aren't lagging behind that far, which is actually kind of insane. It is kind of insane, but like I said, you know, you would never really think that just because of how dominant of a goal scorer Ovechkin is. But I think what's more surprising, going back to Crosby, is that he had 100 penalty minutes in his rookie season. Yeah, like Ovechkin's always been kind of a hard-nosed player. He has been, and even... Crosby when he had 100 penalty minutes as a rookie but I think that's more because 
the referees just got so sick and tired of him diving all the time and whining to the refs. He's like, okay, you got two minutes? Fine, we'll give you a four minute. No problem. Bam, you're in the penalty box. Yeah, no kidding. Although I guess one thing that's kind of insane looking back at some of the Ovechkin numbers, he was two goals away. He had 48 goals in 68 games last year. Like, at 34, what the hell is that? He already has six on the season this year, too. Yeah, of course, the Canadian media doesn't talk about that. They're going, oh, Austin Matthews has all these goals. They're like, yeah, that's 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 great. Yeah, we don't care. We are Ovi stands here. We are Ovi fans here, not Austin fans, unless that Austin we're talking about is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Damn. So, Tim, usually with Top of the Hour, we save the Senators story for last, but Ottawa Senators forward Brady Chuck has recorded his 100th NHL point versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Dechuk, drafted fourth overall in 2018, has recorded five, five goals, six assists for 11 points in 19 games for Ottawa this season. He just keeps getting better and better, man. He does. And the funny thing is, I think he's like second right now in points by a 2018 draftee. Just, uh, I think Shosh, um, Andre Sashikov, the kid from Carolina, it currently leads right now. They're not very – He's Brady's not far behind him. I think he's like eight or nine points behind him right now. No, and uh, Spechnikov gets to play on a good team. That's true. Well, Brady's done all this on the Ottawa Senators. That is true. That is true. But you know what, though, Tim? The team is getting better despite how we may look on the ice sometimes. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So we got to give a quick shout-out to Nico Hersher because the New Jersey Devils have named Nico Hersher the 12th captain in franchise history. Hersher, drafted first overall by the New Jersey Devils in 2017, is succeeding Andy Green, who served as captain from 2015 until 2020. I'm always amazed how long Andy Green's been in the goddamn NHL. He's still in the NHL, too. Remember? Because a few weeks ago we talked about him with the Islanders. But, uh, no, it's interesting because they definitely had a hard choice between uh, him and uh, Jack Jack Hughes. No, they didn't. It was not that hard, let's be honest. Oh, come on. No, it was clearly going to be Nico Hersher. I mean, when you look at that roster, Hughes is just too young. He's too young, and Niku Hersher has definitely developed into that guy. Because I was looking at that Devils roster. I mean, legit, who would you really give the captain to outside of Hersher? How oh, no, Jack, Jack Hughes is a champ. I know, like, I mean, you can't give it to, like, Miles Wood or Subban or... Uh, Pavel Zaka. I thought Pavel Zaka might have been seriously considered, but... And honestly... We've already seen what happens when you give it to a goalie. That's true. Bad things happen. That closes out top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. we got to talk about the games. Now, we got three games to talk about. All three versus the Toronto Maple Leafs, and all of them are going to be talking about right now. But before nice. we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the games. Sens versus Leafs. This game. 6-5. to five, Ottawa Senators. Overtime victory. Sens Sorry, goes... you mean... 
Yes! Me with my sicko shirt. Sens goals were scored by Evgeny Dadanoff with two, and the OT winner, Drake Batherson, Nick Paul, Artem Zub, and Connor Brown. Leeds goals were scored by Austin Matthews with two, Travis Boyd, PR Engvall, and Joe Thornton. Shots were 38-31 for Toronto. Screw the game recap. We came back from four goals down, baby. Woo! You know what? Looking at the money puck, uh, odds to win, the moment it came 5-1, about 1 in 3,000 chance the Senators win this game. You're oh, talking about so sub 0.1% odds. Man, what was the buyout? What was the payout on that? It would have been incredible. Man, I can't even imagine how happy people must have been that night. Just the payout on that. Oh, oh, it was so good. It must have been so great. So instead of going through this game, Tim, and really talking about what was good, what was bad, let's talk about what the listeners really want to hear. Oh, Nick Paul put the team on his back and got the comeback rolling? Yes. Let's start off with Nick Paul to make it 5-2. So the play starts with Tavares turning the puck over to Austin Watson, who got the shot off. Nick Paul cleans up the rebound, makes it 5-2. Artem Zub makes it 5-3. And I love this goal, by the way, because honestly, the closest thing I've came to that was, do you remember the 2012 playoffs against the Rangers where Matt Cartner got sprung out of the box and he fed Malama Colic? And it's so funny that it's... Matt Karkner springing someone. Yes. It's so great. Artem Zub scored to make it 5-3. The Senators sprung him out of the penalty box. He made a sweet move to slide it home for his first NHL goal. Connor Brown scores to make it 5-4. Thomas Shabbat brings it into the zone. Then the Senators make, make a sweet play, moving the puck around until Connor Brown gets the shot off. Evgeny Dadanoff ties it up at 5-5. Senators. Oh, so good. Oh, my God. It was so good. Actually, going back to Artem Zoo for a second, that was very similar to the goal Dadanoff scored for his first NHL goal with the Senators, was that he put it and then he crashed into the boards. Yeah. Yeah. With Senators Russians. I was going to say, our new guys, they need to stop doing that so much, man. They're going to hurt themselves. Of getting Dadanoff, 5 5, send cycle the puck, and Dadanoff banks it in out of the air. And the moment. The single sweetest moment in our franchise's history since 2007. Evgeny Dadanoff. In overtime. Morgan Riley decides to shoot the puck instead of passing to Matthews, which would have ended the game right there for us. But Morgan Riley decided to shoot the puck. Nick Paul back pass to Shabbat, who sends Dadanoff in on the breakaway. I, and he just puts it right. Oh my What's god! Funny about Riley choosing to shoot is it was such an awkward attempt that Shabbat just strips him so easily. You have no idea how happy that made me. You have no idea. After we finished recording, I literally phoned my dad, and I'm just sitting here like, Dad, the Senators just came back from four down to win six five. This is the happy one of the happiest moments of my life. I, I am so. Euphoric. I was so happy when that happened. 
Well, I, it's so funny because, like, Ottawa looks really good at three-on-three because three they just let the mobile guys play. Like, DJ Open, Norris, Stutzla, Shabbat. Like, that's a fucking lethal combo. Oh, so good. So good. And you know the sweetest thing about that, Tim? Just the reactions. Oh my god, the reactions on Twitter. Not just from Zen's Twitter. Leafs Twitter imploded on itself. It was the greatest thing I have ever seen. I have never seen a team's Twitter implode on itself that badly. Especially for the Leafs. Dating back to maybe... 2013. 2013. It was 4-1. It's been now replaced with... it. Actually... The Zamboni game is up there, too. By the way, one year ago today, that moment <laughs> happened. They, they cough up one of the most improbable lead, leads in modern NHL history within a year of losing to their own Zamboni driver. All I'm thinking of was the Steve Dangle video where he's like, We just lost to a 42-year-old Zamboni driver who worked for us! <laughs> I I said to my brother, I just says, How has Steve not had a full-on stroke? How he didn't have an aneurysm when that happened? I do not know. Like, it's amazing. Steve Dangle did not have a complete and utter breakdown right then and there. Now, one of the great because things... he knows if he... Dies on air, Brian Fighter Six wins for eternity. And he can't have that. Oh. Oh, it was so good. Oh, it was so good. You know what's funny? I was talking to Chris, who was on our Eastern Conference portion of our preview show, because he's, you know, a Montreal fan, obviously. I said to Chris, I says, you know what? The four to one game is the second best Leafs blowing a big lead of all time. This was so, it makes me so happy. Oh my god. I just don't know how a team loses so absolutely stupidly. You know what's amazing, Tim? Is that if you go back and listen to last week's episode, you can totally hear us say, can you imagine we come back to win 6-5 and you're just like, are the Leafs even a team at that point? I mean, they beat us twice. They beat us twice after that, but at this point... (sighs) Yeah, I think the only reason Austin Matthews has this goal streak is he's playing in literally the shittiest division ever conceived. Like, the North is fucking awful. I know. You know what? It... And then you still get rolled by the Senators. What the hell? <laughs> this is the best part of my day right here. And you know what, Tim? Can you imagine if this was a video podcast to see how happy I am right now? Like, I'm literally red in the face. I'm so happy. You, you can't even... I can't even right now. It's so good. I'm so glad. That it was so good. said sicko started. Because, like, this is the ultimate said sickos game. Yes. Yes, it, really it was. You know what? I don't even want to go on and talk about the other two games because I don't think it will ever top that. Like, honestly, it was, oh, oh, so good. It's like a game that normally only the fans of two teams would ever care about suddenly just got the entire league's attention because it's like the Leafs went to overtime. What? And they lost. And they lost. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. 
Oh my god, this makes me so happy right now. <laughs> so dumb. Matt, can you imagine if we had recorded this last Monday when this happened? The guys at Left Coast Leafs, they literally recorded like as soon as that happened. They're just like, it's, it's okay. It was 8 minutes and 52 seconds of quality analyzation of the four goals down. Fucking incredible. Oh, God. Oh, this is so amazing right now. I, it's sad that we have to go on and talk about the second game, Tim. Can we break kayfabe and talk about the fact that we actually just, as soon as we were done recording last week, we opened up the fucking we watched the rest of the game. Yes. Hell, I was watching the game as we were closing out. Oh, God. This is why, <laughs> Tim, this is legit why we need to do a live stream of us watching a game. Because, honestly, our reactions would just be so perfect. What if we pick a boring game, though? Ooh. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, we run the risk of that, though. Yeah, no But here's the thing, though. If we were to ever do a live stream... Do we do it against the Leafs or do it against the Habs? The funny shit always seems to happen against the Leafs. Yeah. But Although the... there was like a really a bunch of really weird goals against the Habs last night, so including like one that bounced up over Jake Allen then off his button to the net. But I think I think you do a Leafs game, because it's just funnier. Yeah, especially if you get like the left coast Leafs or even the guys that podcast on to do the game yeah. with us. Let's move on to the second game of the evening. Sens versus Leafs. This was a 2-1 Leafs victory. Sens goals were scored by Brady Tuchuk. Leafs goals were scored by Austin Matthews and Alex Kerfoot. A somewhat even game overall. Both teams began the game playing a patient defensive first game before both teams' offense began to get going, which Ottawa was unable to sustain in the third period, getting into penalty trouble, and Toronto capitalized with a lucky goal, which got them the W. Okay, Honestly, so one thing I forgot to mention, I totally forgot to put the shots in here. That it happens. But I do have a few notes on this. So let's talk about Matt Murray to start off with. 26 saves, a .928 save percentage. Honestly, he really kept Ottawa in this one, and I really, really felt for him on that Kerfoot goal because honestly, is there weird. is there a worse goal for a goalie when you're on your back and it goes off your head and then I don't know, man. And, like, here's the thing. The Leafs came out so goddamn flat. Mm-hmm. Like, Freddie Anderson's the only reason that Ottawa didn't really take this game. Anderson had a 97% save percentage. The Sens kind of took their foot off the gas after the Brady goal and really just let the Leafs go to town at the beginning of that third period, and that's what cost them. Because otherwise, I thought the Sens played this game almost perfectly. I, I actually would agree with that. And, you know, I was watching this game, and I knew that Toronto was going to get, was going to finally bring their A game after, you know, down four goals. We... But they didn't until the and second period. That's the crazy thing, is that I legit was watching in that first period going, like, we're killing them in this. Like, this is great. Oh, my God, we're going to totally win this game again. And that was the one thing about... This game, and I absolutely agree with you, and that if you looked at the notes before I broke it all down and put it how I usually do it, that's how it was. It was Ottawa outplayed Toronto. A somewhat even period. Toronto outplayed us. 
it was just like, man, like I totally agree. The Leafs looked so flat-footed in this game. Now, a couple of more guys I want to talk about. Now, I'm going to let you guess this particular player I'm talking about. And just by the description alone. You ready? Okay. Uh-huh. Two shots. Honestly thought he looked fantastic in this one. Thought he had more shots than he did. Branstrom. Tim Stutzla. Stutzla in this game, holy crap, he looked good. And this is a game that legit, he was in the perfect spot to get a shot off. And I didn't realize it, that he only had two shots in this game. Because when you yeah. watch the game, I legit thought he had at least five to six shots. Because it's like, holy crap, the Leafs aren't, can't contain this kid. Like, he's unbelievable. Stutzla's weird because, like, he, he passes the eye test with flying colors. And then you look at some of his underlying stats, it's like, Oh, that wasn't actually very good. But I think what's interesting about him is they're not bad. And I think part of it is he's playing a lot of time with Derek Stepan. Mm-hmm. And the guy's an anchor. So even doing your best to kind of isolate for your teammates, it's going to happen. Yeah. But that's kind of like when you remember back in the day when CC played with Fanuff, right? And I think Fanuff was a very capable def- defenseman. Until they paired Cody Cece with him. And now it's like, well, good. I can't do anything now because I got this kid anchored to me. And I feel, I agree with you. I think Stepan is the same way with Stutzla. I think if you put Stutzla with, say, a Norris and a Tachok, even if you put him with Batherson, because him and Batherson are fantastic together. And you're well, you're seeing that with Tachok and Norris, is that you're seeing these young kids that are getting together and they're producing and yet you're still anchoring Stutzla to Derek Steffen. Well, it's hard because, like, you've got, like, you've gotten some really tough, really, really good uh, pairings. Like, the Dadunov-White-Paul line is just rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kachuk Norris, he can't split him up. The only thing I can see is, like, moving, moving Batherson up. But, yeah, like, the only thing I could think of is maybe... Uh, sitting Stepan and Nisimov and giving uh, Logan Brown and uh, Alex Formanton a shot. Yeah, that's really weird that, again, like they're not using Logan Brown. And this season, this is going to be his last shot. Because if he doesn't make this team, then we might have to move on from him. Because, honestly, there's too many center prospects right now who are coming up, and he's definitely getting buried in the depth chart. I will say one thing. And somebody on Twitter, I think it was last night, they said this. Has, has you ever seen a player that he's either hit an edge or fell down or ended up on his knees more than Eric Branson? The guy's a fucking plug. I know. He makes me look competent on skates. And I am not a good skater. I'm a very lumbering skater. I will be the first to admit to that. How is this guy still in the NHL? How is the team still playing him? Like, what I don't understand is just like, how has this guy not been scratched? He's been awful pretty much every game. Like, just let Brant, give Ransom a shot on the right side and let Shabbat, Willanen, and Riley go. And then you have Zet, Zaitsev, Ranstrom, and Zub on the right. That doesn't sound terrible. Yeah. Well, what if they put Artem Zub with Shabbat? Because I know Mark Mathot's very high on him on Twitter right now. Yeah. Well, that'd be good. Although, yeah, and then have Zaitsev. Well, Zaitsev's playing some of the best damn hockey of his career, too, eh? And that's funny because remember back in March, 
he was one of the first NHLers that was diagnosed with COVID too, right? So yeah. he got COVID. He lost like 15 pounds. He looks so much more agile than he did last year. So yeah. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, no. So uh, honestly, the Sens decor, it's like, I don't think it's awful, but then you get Gabranson just, he plays way too much, way too many minutes and he's not good in them. No, not at all. Now, one guy that did play very well in this game was Brady Tuchuk. One goal on seven shots. Now, we talked about his 100th point in top of the hour. This is another game that I thought he looked very, very good in against the Leafs. Yeah. No, 100%. We're talking about a guy who, when he's on the ice, 75% of the goals are expected to go in Ottawa's net. Like, that's, that's fantastic. The only guy who was better was Branstrom and Norris. Funny enough that you mentioned Josh Norris because he's the last player I want to talk about this on this game. One assist on five shots. I really, really hope, and I mentioned this when we talk about Stutzla and Batherson, is I really hope they keep Norris and Dechuk together because it just seems like those two have such great chemistry together. And I know that we've talked quite a bit about Josh Norris. Somebody made a comment today on Twitter, once again. Uh-huh. Is Josh Norris arguably the most quiet rookie points leader we have seen? Because nobody's talking about him right now. He's tied right now for the rookie lead in points with 11. Honestly, no one's really talking about the rookies this year. It's kind of weird outside of Stutzla. And then Stutzla's mostly just inside the Ottawa bubble. That is true, but you know, you gotta realize I think it's because a lot of the rookies right now, outside of I'm, I'm sorry, the kid from Minnesota, I'm completely blanking on his name right now. Out- oh, he's actually quite old. Yeah, outside of him, I mean, the rookies in the US right now are not very good. Like, Lafreniere has one goal. Yeah, that's a massive Quentin surprise. Byfield, I don't even know if he's playing right now. The kid for Detroit, not... Um, oh, Perfetti? Cole Perfetti, uh, Mason Raymond. Yeah, a lot of these guys aren't producing. And then you see the Josh Norrises and the Tim Stutzlas, and they're like, holy crap. And Niels Hoglander in Vancouver, Yeah, too. the rookies are in, are in Canada. These are... You know why? It's because unless they play these teams, they're not going to get the recognition. Yeah, like, it's insane. Like, Stutzla's tied, like, Stutzla and Hoglander are fourth, and then uh, Kasparov, Norris first, and then Puyse Suter in Chicago is only one point behind. Kaspar- Kasparov, that's who I was thinking of. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, like, like, well, I was surprised to see a Suter on this list. <laughs> Honestly, this might be one of the most unassuming rookie years that we've seen because honestly when you think of other years like last year when was it last year jack hughes remember when he was a rookie and everybody yeah, was like what the heck's going year. on with this kid right like and then elias Pettersson the year before elias Pettersson, yeah well Pettersson, i think was more for how good he was hughes was more for so how undeveloped he was with the devils that's fair that's fair but you know what could you imagine the bragging rights the North Division would have if we have, if we end up winning Rookie of the Year, because Ottawa's got two of them right now. We've got two of those kids that could win it. Well, what's crazy is Artem Zub is tied for 18th in the in the race with like six other players. 
This is so good, man. You know, even for the struggles Ottawa's having, at least it's so nice to see that our rookies are doing very well. Yeah, like, it's, like, young guys are killing it. So the one final comment I gotta make on this game, it doesn't have to do with any player or any personnel. It has to do, and I do not know his name, the DJ for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because I really appreciate the music choices that he was using in this game. And I know in the last couple of years we've talked about Alex Marchand in Ottawa, some of the music choices he makes... Two songs that really stuck out for me, because, you know, when you go to Leaf games, you hear the usual, you know, you'll hear Raise a Little Hell, Tragically Hip, you know, the usual kind of stuff. He was playing some more real modern, like, EDM stuff. Like, he used Avicii's Lovels, which, not my personal favorite Avicii song, I'll admit, but the one song that really caught my attention, Tim, was from Dead Mouse. You mean Dead Mouse 5? Yeah, Dead Mouse 5. It's because, if you think about it, the only Dead Mouse song that is played at hockey game is Ghost and Stuff, realistically. But he used That's a song. The only song that anybody knows. Yeah, but he used a song off four plus four is or yeah, four times four is twelve called Sophie Needs a Ladder. Now during the lockdown last year, I was actually doing some painting around the house and I had Dead Mouse on my iPhone just listening to it because I need something so calming and. To just get me through it, because that's so monotonous, right? Painting, doing whatever. Sophie Needs a Ladder came on, and I was like, man, this is a really hard-driving, kind of cool beat. And he played it, and I was like, I had not heard that song in a long time. I was like, oh my god, I totally remember that song. So I had to include that in the lists, and I'm very, very happy that he ended up doing it for us. Yeah. Actually, one thing I was surprised about in these last two games was... I'm not a big fan of the Tavares line for the Leafs, to be honest. No? Like, they shoot well, but they just, they don't really sustain zone time. It's just something I've noticed. Let's move on to the third game of the evening between the Sens and the Leafs. This was a 7-3 Leafs victory. Sens goes to scored by Tam Brown. Leaf goals are scored by Austin Matthews with two, Joe Thornton, Ilya Mikhailov, Mitch Marder, William Nylander, and John Tavares. Shots were 37-31 for Ottawa. Austin Matthews scores five hole to make it 1-0 Leafs. Joe Thornton makes it 2-0 on a slap pass from Jake Muzzin. Tim Stutzla streaks down the left side and gets Ottawa on the board to make it 2-1. Matthews gets a second of the night to make it 3-1 on a no-look pass to tuck it in. Ily Mikulov scores on the, from the point to make it 4-1. Mitch Marner puts it top corner to make it 5-1. Connor Brown scores from, on a behind-the-net pass from Matthew Pekka to make it 5-2. William Nylander cleans up the Spezza rebound to make it 6-2. Drake Batherson scores on a bank shot to make it 6-3. And John Tavares scores to make it 7-3 Leafs, which would be the final. Yes, I totally forgot I to not to include Batherson on the goals. That's not the point. So I, I did have condensed watches, and I did talk about it was a super busy week at work for me. And it was just one of these weeks where, you know when you have a super busy week at work, Tim, and it just drains all the energy out of you to the point where when you get home from work, you're just like, I just don't want to sit down and watch a hockey game. I just want to yep. sit down and do something else. That was like me for this game because I just, I couldn't muster the energy to sit down and watch this game. But we do have some notes to talk about. And I think when watching the condensed thing, the one thing I really noticed 
I cannot believe the goaltending has gone back to how we played during that big losing streak. Matt Murray and Marcus Hogberg, 0.769 and 0.800, respectively. I'm going to, I'm going to come out and defend Hogberg a bit here. Okay. He was under fucking siege, and then after the goal, he gets injured. He doesn't have a chance to redeem himself. Murray comes in cold and. To, the guy's got to make a save here. Yeah, and that's the thing is that I'm finding with Matt Murray in these games is that, you know, like he'll have a couple of really, really strong starts. If you go back to last week's episode, we talked about that. But then we have starts like this where he goes from going like in the 900s to below 800. Because I think at some point in this game, he had a what, a .555 save percentage? I literally said to somebody at work, I'm like, how does one have a five 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 save percentage? I didn't even realize that was even possible in the NHL. Yeah, and he ends the game with a point seven seven. Like it's even coming cold. That's not good enough. No, it's not. Especially for a guy, he's here for quite a while, unless you know Seattle takes him in the expansion draft if we leave him unprotected. So we do have two guys off the top here. I want to talk about Tim Stutzla. One goal, one assist on four shots. This kid looks stronger and stronger every game that he plays for the Senators. Yeah, and uh, it's definitely notable that uh, Stutzla and Batherson were the guys to score. Unfortunately, they were also on the ice for four of the seven goals against, but what are you going to do? And the hard thing is, is just the goal that Matthews goal that made it 3-1 was definitely a backbreaker yeah that was a goal that honestly i just watched it and i'm like ugh, that's all i could really muster like words were not even coming out of my mouth it was just ugh. but like i thought dudes and batherson played very well despite it mm-hmm. and even once you adjust for score effects because in a 7-3 loss score effects are coming in they were on the right side of the puck. The only line that really wasn't was uh, White and Dad, Paul White and Dadanov. Yeah, Stutzla Batherson, a pair, fantastic together. Yeah, I mean, the other only guy I got that, of course, is Drake Batherson. He had one goal and three shots. I really, really do like him and Stutzla together. That was a nice goal, though, by the way, to put it backhand. And you just see the excitement of, yeah, like gave him one of those. Mm. You got to love it. I've been pretty happy with, like, Connor Brown is finally getting his due. Like, that guy has been the definition of snake bitten. And uh, we'll talk about it next week with Connor Brown gets breakaway in overtime and can't score. I know. I was going to say, just don't send him on on a breakaway. That's all. Now, the only other note I got for this game, Tim, and again, I had, like I said, I condensed watch it wherever I didn't get a chance. There were, from what I was understanding, there was a lot of shots in this game that went off the crossbar or went off the post now did you watch how much of this game did you watch and could you I really talk about it you condensed it okay so you really have no real comment uh, on one that. thing i did watch and just kind of looking at the stat roll even once he adjusts for score effects you can tell which of ottawa's defensemen are working and which ones really aren't and do you want to guess at who had a good game and who didn't for defensemen yeah Branstrom had a good one. Yes. Artem Zub. Yep. 
Zaitsev? No. Okay. His was like stat line okay, but the results were mm. the Zaitsev we know and love. Because you're still getting the Zaitsev brain farts. Mike Riley? Nope. Gabranson? God, no. I love that. Will uh, it. And you can really see that this this team really misses Thomas Shabbat. Yeah, and he is back for tomorrow's game anyway against the Habs, so. Yeah, and I hope that all three of Willan, sorry, all four of Willan and Zub, Randstrom, and Shabbat can be in the same game. I know. I would love to see Shabbat and Zub together, man. Like, those two would look so good together. Yeah. It's not even funny. It really would. And I, I really want Branson to take a sit. Yeah. Well, I, I can't remember who it was. Somebody online, they had just bought a Sens jersey, and they said, comment, who do you have on the back? And underneath they wrote, every guy I've ever got on the back ends up leaving. And I said, good Branson? Question mark. Ha, 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 sickos. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments on this game if you just want to head off into the close for another evening. Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Okay. Actually, sorry, one comment I do want to make, and we didn't talk about this right off the top. The game's in Lake Tahoe. Yeah, what happened? What is going on with that? Because I was saw, saw some of the stuff on social media where guys are falling flat on their face, and I think the one Avalanche guy in the game that ended up getting postponed, he literally dug the blade of a skate, not the skate, the blade of a stick right into the ice, and he pulled his, pulled the ice up. Yeah. The weather, it got a lot warmer than they were expecting. Yeah. But you know what? My only comment about the Lake Tahoe's games right now is that I don't know how they're... <coughs> excuse me. How they're setting it up right now is that usually in hockey arenas, and even with these outdoor games, they have like refrigeration pipes underneath the ice to keep the ice cold. I often wonder if they have that for these games. Because, honestly, it just looks like they flooded it, and they have nothing underneath it. And this is why you literally see the melt just melting underneath them. Well, it's it's so funny because I was, like, reading on the Atlantic, like, there's legitimate wonder if the ice quality materially impacted that game. Obviously, it got postponed because it was so shit, but uh, people were saying that the Avalanche probably ain't like the avalanche's first goal was more of a product of shit ice than anything else. Yeah. And a lot of people don't seem to realize that when talking about games, and I think that you and I talked about this in the past couple of years is that when you watch a guy and they're falling flat on their face, they're tripping over the ice. It's like, how bad are these ice makers that they're legit almost to the point of hurting these guys? Cause if they hit a rut or they hit a bump in the ice, they're going down. Yeah. I think for me, when talking about Lake Tahoe, it was beautiful. Like, this is the look of those games. Very, very cool looking. I think my only thing is, I don't think Lake Tahoe was the best choice for that. If you wanted to do it, why didn't you do it up in, say, Minnesota? Where legit, where it's cold during the winter. Or if you want to go on, say, Lake Superior or Lake Ontario... Or some of these, like, ice surfaces, which it's legit cold. Because Lake Tahoe is right on, is in between California and Nevada. And I didn't actually know that. I didn't realize it's right on the border of those two states. I mean, have you ever just wanted to go to a cool place and do a cool thing? 
like this time it didn't work out but like they've done outdoor games at like the cotton bowl and stuff which is like deep texas that is true that's kind of different right because honestly you can have refrigeration pipes underneath it where because it's in a football stadium where you do it on a lawn you, you don't get that obviously you don't it get was like we wanted to try something cool it didn't work out yeah i applied i, I applied the nhl for the effort the execution was not that great and actually, I want to bring up this meme that Adam sent me because I, I legit had a giggle when I saw this. Let me just bring it up here real, real quick. I think you'll appreciate this, Tim. So, uh, where is it? Where is it? It is right. Uh, okay, I can't seem to find it. Anyway, no worries. I'll show you later on. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. We can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger. And I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8 WYTE Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games, top of the art, or. You want to talk about the Sens coming back from four goals down to win six to five? Shoot us an email. Thirdlightpointsensecast at gmail.com. So, Tim, for the games of the week, we've got four games at home this week against the Montreal Canadiens and the Calgary Flames. Sunday and Tuesday, we are playing the Montreal Canadiens. Thursday and Saturday, we are playing against Matthew Tuchuk and the Calgary Flames, the first round of the Chuck Bowl. Nice, good stuff, good stuff. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jackson. Go Suns, guys. Woo! So I held my head up against the wall.